Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 8, how Noah departed the ark and sacrificed. And we'll look at what do we worship God for, and we'll study the worship of God in the Bible. Now, before we begin with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God, we'd like to encourage you to consider making a contribution to this radio program. 100% of it will go towards keeping this Bible teaching radio program on the air in your city. We don't have any cost towards administrations, and it's 100% tax deductible. It will also have a matching donation that goes towards Israel Restoration Ministries and our Jewish evangelism outreach that reaches over 1.5 million lost Jewish people a year with the gospel, as well as many Gentiles. But we'd like to encourage you to give your 100% tax-deductible donation by donating online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Help us to continue airing on this station in your city. Now, we also have exciting news that Tom Cantor has finished his Friendship with God Study and Resource Bible with over 2,200 pages and over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources, including 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references, as well as 12 custom-made color maps and a full nine-page color chart of the History of Israel timeline map, not to mention an incredible concordance and all these other helps and resources personalized by Tom Cantor to help you grow your friendship with God. You can obtain this by calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. With shipping and handling, it's $89.99. We'll send that to you. So get the Tom Cantor Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible for $89.99. Call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go online to friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching. There's nothing. was nothing there. And we have to remember the type of person that Noah is. Noah is the get-it-done person. God chose his man. He's, he chose a get-it, he's the nurturing, he's the providing, he's the protecting, he's the get-it-done person. He had just protected, nurtured, provided protection, he had provided shelter, food for his family, for his animals, and that was in Noah's heart. That's the kind of heart that Noah had. He had a heart that, was to, that wanted to do that. Let me lose, so I, that's what I do. I'm a builder. All that protection, all that nurturing, all that provision, it didn't just happen. It took a lot of get-it-done spirit on the part of Noah. Noah the planner, Noah the builder, Noah the executor. That's what Noah did, Noah the make-it-happen person. And so as he looks over the post-flood world before him, he thinks to himself, he sits down and he thinks to himself, i got a lot of work to do. There's a lot that's got to get done. He says, uh, he says, look at this. He says, we need some shelter. There's no way I'm walking back into that ark. He says, you know, Noah says that. He says, I'm not getting, I don't, I don't even want to see a boat in my life. Anyway, so Noah starts thinking, you know. It's like when we went first to Ethiopia and, and the land was there. And the first thought you have is water. Where are we going to get water? And Noah's sitting there. I got to get water. We, got, we need a well. We got to get a well dug here. And then Noah's wife, you see, Noah's wife, she's, her first thing is, where's the bathroom? <laughs> no, you need to build an outhouse, you know. And so he's under pressure from his wife to get things done. And then, you know, he's thinking, I've got to help my sons. We've got to build houses here. I've got to plan a community. 
We, got to, we need a community here. This community needs to be efficient. You know, the ark was efficient. And so Noah's an efficient man. And so he's thinking to himself, he says, you know, I've I got to go get those seeds, those seeds that I brought on the ark with me. I've got to plant vines, and I've got to plant trees, and I've got to plant vegetables, and I've got to plan out where all those vineyards and orchards are going to be, and I've got to build some barns to protect the harvest. I've got a lot of work to do. I've got to figure out whether I'm going to get DSL or cable. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of things on his mind. So, of course, all those things came into Noah's mind. Why? Because Noah's the planner. Noah is the builder. Noah is the action person. That's the kind of heart that Noah has. And there was a lot of action needed right now. And Noah had already proved that he was a reliable get-it-done person. I mean, we've got to remember that he's standing in front of an ark, and so that ark is like a diploma for Builder Noah. He's got his B1 license there, and he's, he says, I could do it, I did it, I got it done. So all of this thing, we can imagine that all these things he's seeing in his mind, it's like steam rising in Noah's head, and his body is like a steam turbine ready to engage in what needed to be done. If you have a problem with Noah... That's a big problem. If you have a problem with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a big problem. Why? Because in John 1, 4, it makes clear, in him was life. In John 3, 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So if you have a problem with Noah, you've got to get over it. If you have a problem with the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to get over it because he's the only way to life. So just as we see Noah first emerging from the ark and then turning around to bring forth those that he had kept alive and then turning to God and saying to them, here they are, and then turning to them and saying, here it is, so we see the Lord Jesus Christ in John 17, 12, saying, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept and none of them is lost. And he took pride in that. And right, he should. And there's no one that has ever needed to do more than Noah did at that time. There's no one that's ever had a longer must-do list than Noah had at that time. But what does he do? Noah takes all those items on the must-do list that are calling Noah's name. He can hear them calling him off the list. And he just puts his hand on the list and he silences them. And he says, yes, there are many things that I must do. But I have one and only one absolute priority. And I will do this now if it kills me. I will do the one absolute necessity. And that's verse 20. And Noah builded an ark, altar. You can build an ark. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. That picture of what it was like for Noah emerging from the ark onto a totally virgin earth with nothing left from the past and the words then of verse 20 are so impressive. Noah builded, Noah the builder built an altar unto the Lord. Noah the great builder built an altar. Noah, the great builder, had built an ark, 
He had waterproofed it. That great ark was tested. It held firm. It held watertight through the perfect storm. And here, Noah, the great builder, in verse 20, builds an altar to the Lord. Just so impressed. He builds an altar to the Lord of all that needed to be built. And here's Noah, the great builder. Here's the man for the job. And what does he decide to build? An altar. That's very instructive for us. Because what should we do when we wake up in the morning and like Noah, we have a must-do list that's calling out our name with items on it. We need to be like Noah. We put our hand on that list and we silence that because we say we're going to go spend time with God in our morning devotions. What should we do when we're faced with a shock of an impossible situation like Noah, like being told you have cancer, like Noah, we turn and we say, Lord Jesus, I worship you. That's the response. Now the altar. The description here of the altar. What is this? Well, first of all, this is the first time in the Bible that the word altar is used. The Hebrew word here is mitzbeach, it's a, for altar, and it comes from a Hebrew word, tzvach, and it means... That word means to slaughter. So altar means a place of slaughter. A place of slaughter. There's another word, shakach, for slaughter. My grandfather was a slaughterer in the kosher sense, so he was a shokhet. But this is another word. It's an older word, tzavach. And so the word altar means a place of slaughter. Every time you see the word altar, I want you to think of it, a place of slaughter. And so let's read verse 20 now with that in mind. And Noah builded a place to slaughter unto the Lord. That was a place where animals were slaughtered or sacrificed to God. That is exactly what we see Noah doing here. He's slaughtering clean beasts and clean fowl. Now, consider the sacrifice of it all. First of all, it was not as if Noah had an abundance of these clean animals. There was a limited amount. And those animals might have looked pretty good to eat. Well, at least they wouldn't to me. You know, that, <laughs> that reminds me when we used to have our business on the ranch where we lived at with our three boys. Cheryl and I, three boys, lived on the ranch. Some of you remember those days. I hope most of you don't because you used to call me the goat man, and I never liked that. But goats are clean animals. It's not a bad thing to be called. But anyway, starting the business with $130 meant that we didn't have much money. So we had to watch every dollar very carefully. And we were pouring a lot of money into buying goats. I wasn't good at buying goats. We'd go up to the auction up at Chino on Ontario, and that's another story. And I would always, you know, those people selling the goats were smarter than me because they would shoot up those sick goats ready to die with so much combiotics that when I got them back home, they just fell over and died. Wonderful teaching, and we'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a moment. I want to encourage you to go to our website and get some of Tom Cantor's materials for free at our bookstore. Free viewing, free downloading, and free reading of all of Tom Cantor's materials, many of them online. But there are many for purchase as well through our bookstore, which is also available at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also download this message for free, and you can also support this Bible teaching radio program at friendshipwithgod.org, donate online, or you can call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Continue this Bible teaching radio program going on your station in your city with your support of Friendship with God. Again, our number is 800-247-3051. 
Now, here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God. But anyway, I was pouring a lot of money into buying goats, and then we would immunize them and see if they made antibodies. And the one that made antibodies, we kept them, we bled them regularly. And the goats that didn't make antibodies, we had to get rid of them fast because they were eating up food. So one day, I looked at those goats we had to get rid of, and I thought to myself, if I can just get my wife and three boys to eat goat meat, we could save a lot of money. So I started this campaign, and on our patio, I attached this big fan with two-and-a-half-foot diameter blades. I attached it to the wall. And underneath it, I put this barbecue pit, large barbecue, and I'd light those briquettes every night and turn that fan on. And boy, in no time, those briquettes were red hot. And then those goats that didn't make antibodies, on the grill. So every meal, but that, I had to get them to eat the goat meat, see? So every meal, I would say to, say to the boys, I'd say, boys, isn't this great? And I had this motto, and I said, goat is better than beef, see? And so <laughs> I told them, just don't eat the areas where they were immunized. And, you know, our boys were young, and we homeschooled them for 14 years, so they never had anyone else to tell them the goat wasn't better than beef. So anyway, each meal I'd say, boys, goat's better than beef, and they'd say, dad, goat's better than beef. And everything was going well until we started to invite kids from the chapel over to our house. You know, we brought them over on Sunday morning after church, and then we'd bring them back for Sunday evening. And we told those, they told those kids, goat is better than beef, see? And those kids went home and told their parents, goat is better than beef. Then some of those parents didn't let the kids come over to our house anymore. <laughs> Actually, that wasn't all of it. What really happened was that when the kids would play with the goats, then they returned to evening church in this little room... The, the parents would complain about how they smelled. And I'd just say to them, smells like money to me. <laughs> anyway, they didn't come to our house anymore. But that was our motto, goat was better than beef. Cheryl never liked goat meat. She practically became a vegetarian. And none of our boys now believe that goat's better than beef. Actually, to be honest, I never told them the reason why. I never finished the sentence, goat was better than beef because it was free. But anyway, uh, Noah slaughtered these goats. And there was some good-looking meat there. And that's why the second part of verse 20 is so significant. Because it says, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. That means that Noah burned up all that meat until it was completely nothing more than a pile of ashes. So when it says in verse 20 that he offered burnt offerings to the Lord, that means no one ate the meat, that it was all burned up. Now picture for a moment, Noah is gathering these stones to the altar, and he's building the altar, and we see him here, and he's determined. That's the kind of person Noah was, very determined. Lots of diligence in Noah. He's very determined. He's building this altar. No way that Noah is going to be distracted from building that altar, because that altar for Noah was a place of worship. That's where Noah worshipped God. And when we see Noah building the altar with his first priority, we see in Noah the high priority that Noah has placed on right worship. Not just on worship, but on right worship. What did that altar represent for Noah? Noah said there has got to be a place for prayer. And this altar is going to be the place for prayer. Noah needed a place where he would talk with God. And that altar was going to be the place. Noah chose a place of slaughter to be the place of prayer. 
Why? Because there's a very important word in Hebrew. Most people just think about it from the song that's sung at Passover, Dainu, but it literally means enough for us, or sufficient for us, enough for us. The word Dainu explains why Noah chose the place of slaughter to be the place of his prayer. Because Noah knew that just to have a sincere heart that really wants to talk with God, that's not Dainu. That's not enough for Noah's prayer to be heard. Noah knew that just to come to God as a sinner with a contrite heart, confessing his sin to God, that's not Dainu. That's not enough for Noah's prayer to be heard. Noah knew that just because God had spoken to him in the past was also not Dainu. That was not enough for Noah's prayer to be heard. No one knew that a blood sacrifice was needed in order to have Dainu, in order to have enough for Noah's prayer to be heard. He knew the reason why Abel's sacrifice was more excellent than Cain. It was because Abel's sacrifice was a blood sacrifice and Cain's sacrifice was not a blood sacrifice. And if anyone makes his prayer to God and does not come, with the blood or under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not dainu, it's not enough, and his prayer will not be heard. If anyone eats kosher food or puts on tefillin or has been circumcised or has been bar mitzvahed and prays to God without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not dainu, it's not enough, and his prayer will not be heard. Why? Because it says in Hebrews 9.22, without shedding of blood, is no remission. And as David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So remission is essential to be heard. Leviticus 17.11 says that God gave the blood to them upon the altar, again, upon the place of slaughter, to make an atonement for their souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Hebrews 12.24 speaks about Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. In Romans 5, 9, we find that we are justified by his blood. In Colossians 1, 14, we find that we have redemption through his blood. In Colossians 1, 20, we have peace through his blood. And it says in Hebrews 9, 7, that the high priest went into the second chamber not without blood. And as for our prayer, as Noah was seeking to reach God with prayer, in Hebrews ten nineteen, it says that having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, verses you're familiar with, it says that we have been redeemed with precious blood of Christ. So for Noah, this altar, the place of slaughter, was the place of prayer because he knew that if he didn't come with blood, that he would not be heard. And Noah knew that God would become a man, would become the Messiah, the one we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, as a man, would shed the perfect blood for sins. And so God would could hear prayers. So Noah's prayer was by a place of slaughter. A place of slaughter. What's that mean for us? Just as Noah knew that it was not enough unless his prayers were at the place of slaughter, we know that it's not enough unless our prayers are at the place of slaughter. 
What is the place of slaughter? That's the cross. The cross is the altar. The cross is the place where the Lord Jesus Christ was slaughtered. That's why it's so important for us in our morning devotions to take time to remember the cross. I make it my practice to read Isaiah 53 and read Psalm 22 and at least some little portion from either Matthew 27 or Mark 15 or Luke 23 or John 19. Those are all the chapters that deal with the cross because it brings me to the cross. So I try to get to the cross every morning by reading those. And just as Noah knew he needed a blood sacrifice to make his prayer acceptable, we know and remember the Lord Jesus Christ, and his slaughter, and his death on the cross, because that's where he was sacrificed. So that's when we pray. We always pray. We say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brings us back to him, brings us back to the cross. So this altar for Noah was a place of prayer. This altar was also a place for Noah to offer his thanks. It was a place of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to God for what he had done. And this place also was a place for Noah in the symbolism of the burnt offering to say, I give myself wholly to you, a place of dedication. Now, in verse 21, the last, the verse here, it says, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. You know why it says God smelled a sweet savor? Because God knew how much this was costing Noah. God saw Noah's must-do list. He saw the pressure that he was under to get a lot of things done. He knew, God knew what needed to be built, and God saw how Noah sacrificed all that and put God first and built an altar. And when Noah did that, God saw that and God said, sweet. And God saw how good that fresh meat looked to Noah, at least it would have to me. And Noah had put God first and burnt it all up on the altar. And when God saw that, God looked at that and said, sweet. And that's why it says in verse 27, the Lord smelled a sweet savor. It was sweet because of what it cost Noah. King David, he needed a sacrifice. He needed an offering to make to God to stop the plague. He needed a place for his sacrifice, and he needed oxen, King David did. And Aruna had just what David needed. And so Aruna, in order to help out David, he says, I'll give you the place. I'll give you the oxen free of charge. And sounds like a pretty good deal. But David said, no way. He strongly refused. In 2 Samuel 24, 24, it says that David said, I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. See, that was David's realization that he's not going to offer what doesn't cost him anything to God. And so when, when David did that, Then God saw his offering and he said, sweet. And God sees us when he sees us in the morning in our morning devotions and we're saying no. And the more things that are on our list, the more things we have to say no to. And the more we do, then God looks at us and he says, sweet. You put me first. You took time with me. And he sees us taking our valuable time, preparing lessons and teaching kids, children in Sunday school. And when God sees that, he says, sweet. And when God sees us risking our friendships with our friends and our relatives to bring the gospel to them, and when God sees that, he says, sweet. And he sees the limited money. And when he sees us putting it into his work, he looks at that and he says, sweet. And so the Lord smelled the sweet savor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, being the God of Noah. And we thank you for this man, Noah. 
We thank you, Lord, for Noah, and we thank you for how you had Moses meticulously write down the essential points as you directed him to the life of Noah so that we could see, Lord, how we need to be like Noah and to make these sacrifices and to see how you see them as sweet. And Lord, we need to be like Noah and be concerned to keep others alive. And we thank you how Noah was like the Lord Jesus Christ in so many ways. Help, Lord, that what we learn from your word may stay with us, we pray in Jesus' name. We get such great teaching here on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And if you would like to support this Bible teaching radio program staying on the air, you can donate by calling us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at Friendship with God. .org, friendshipwithgod.org. Remember, 100% of your donation goes towards Jewish evangelism and keeping this Bible teaching radio program on the air. None of it's kept for administration costs or fees or anything like that. It's 100% tax deductible. So please consider donating to Friendship with God and continuing this wonderful Bible teaching radio program on this station in your city. We need your help. Call us 800 247 3051. And with any donation of $20 or more, we are offering Tom Cantor's teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover from Isaiah 53 and Exodus 12. So if you'd like to get teaching on the Passover from Tom Cantor, a donation of $20 or more, we'll send that to you. Or you can just donate and help support this Bible teaching radio program. Again, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org.